0: St. Louis Post-Dispatch education reporter Blythe Bernhard put the local school situation in stark terms in a story last week. No public school in St. Louis city or county will open five days a week to all students this fall, she wrote. No private school is likely to open 100% online. And that means this, in her words, quote, a scenario where in-person learning is mostly available to those who pay for it. It's an eye-opening story on a very important subject, and here today, to discuss it with us is Blythe Bernhard of the St. Louis Post Dispatch. So Blythe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You outline the split between public and private in such stark terms. What's driving that difference? Why are private schools opening for in-person and, and public schools aren't?
1: I think there are a couple reasons. Um, private schools tend to be smaller. Um, So they might be able to create those smaller class sizes and be able to spread out more on their campuses. Um, But I also think that um, parents are less willing to pay for online school. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so private schools might be feeling more pressure to reopen in person.
0: So Um, private schools might realize if they're offering five days a week of online instruction, parents might well say, why am I even paying for this? I'm I'm pulling my kid out of the school. Right, because that's what public schools are offering for free. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, yeah, I guess you can see how parents would arrive at that conclusion. You report that some private schools are seeing rising enrollment from parents who do want that in-person option. How big of a movement is that, do you think?
1: Well, it's it's hard to say. We'll we will know more in September when we get that enrollment, um, those enrollment figures. But it definitely seems to be um, there's a strong contingent of parents, particularly in our suburban districts like Rockwood and Parkway. These parents who are you know they're they're working. They they. They want to see their kids in school full time, um, and so they're they're searching out other options. Um, and they they really you know they bring up some good points. I mean, a lot of them have had their kids in in childcare or in summer camps without any problems. Um, the guidelines from the health departments have been really vague on reopening and when it would be safe to reopen. Um, They're just saying to start, you know, they're recommending a start in as virtual of an environment as possible. And so these parents are saying, well, when are you going to reopen? Mm -hmm. Are we waiting for a vaccine? Are we waiting for zero transmission? It just, it seems it's just so up in the air
0: that parents are uh, trying to find something more stable. It is interesting, you know, last um, uh, last spring when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, I think parents were largely accepting of, OK, we're going to have to go online only. And, and people accepted that for that, those two months of the year. But during the summer, people made other arrangements for childcare, And it seems like for a lot of people, those arrangements have involved other families and there haven't been any major reports of clusters. Do you think that's given some of these parents in, in the suburbs? They have some skepticism
1: yeah I think I think there's that. I also think that virtual learning didn't go very well in the mm-hmm. spring for a lot of people. and as much as as much as schools have promised that it will be different in the fall because it won't be in an emergency crisis situation, um, they've spent the summer mostly working on reopening plans. That's been the focus. I mean, until late July, when we saw spikes in coronavirus cases, um, most schools were still planning on pursuing an in-person option, so that's where all the planning was. So I think parents are skeptical that the virtual learning will be much improved from the spring. Mm
0: -hmm. So they're worried this could be another scramble, despite all the months leading up to this moment.
1: Exactly. And now we have a Chromebook shortage uh, because of um, supply issues. So there's, you know, and and teachers are, are just now getting their professional development. So I think, yeah, there is there is skepticism about how, how this is going to work and, and how smoothly it's going to go.
0: So you talked about some of these parents who are now opting for private. They're trying to get their kids into options that will be in person. Do we know, do local private schools have the capacity to, to take on these kids? Is, is there enough to, fi- to uh, fit that demand that you're seeing?
1: I think I think there there is. Um, for For people who can afford it, they'll be able to find private schools that have openings. Um, But the problem is that there's no guarantee that the private schools are going to stay open. Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as there's an outbreak, um, they'll be closed down. And the health department is, is saying that, you know, they do have the authority to close down private schools. So they're not some fortress against the virus. So, you're still taking a gamble um, by going to private school. And in fact, um, we're seeing a lot of the private schools coming up with COVID contracts where they're requiring parents to commit to paying for a full semester or even the full year, uh, even if they go have to go online.
0: So these parents may find themselves paying tuition and end up in the exact same boat that they started in. <laughs>
1: Right. I mean, it's just, it's putting parents in an impossible spot. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that is because there is this lack of firm guidance or metrics for for reopening or closing schools. And people are just sort of left to figure it out on their own. And, and,
0: and sorry, go ahead. Just
1: that, you know, parents and school boards, you know, they're not Public health experts, I mean they're not necessarily qualified to make these decisions and would like to see some, you know, stronger leadership.
0: From the school boards that you've talked to and the school administrators that you've been in contract with, um, who would they like to see that come from? Obviously, the Trump administration has come out with some stuff, and it, it seems like a lot of people don't necessarily trust what they're hearing when it comes from, say, Betsy DeVos. Is there an agency that they would trust where there'd be some leadership on this that would help people know, here's when you really need to shut down or here's when it's OK to stay open?
1: Yeah, I think it needs to come from the state or the local health departments um, based on what's happening in your community and where things stand. What's the transmission rate? Um, What are the, you know, rates in, in, in kids? I mean, and are kids passing the virus on to their teachers or bringing it home to their families? I mean, we're just sort of in an experiment here. And in some other places, like New York City or in California, they have had um, thresholds that, you know, communities have to meet to reopen their schools. And so if you're in a red zone, then you don't reopen your school, and (laughs) the decision is made for you. So I think we're looking more to um, local agencies to to make those hard calls.
0: We're talking to St. Louis Post-Dispatch education reporter Blythe Bernhardt about the situation involving um, schools trying to reopen in the age of COVID, how many parents, I don't know if it's fair to say many, a good number of parents are choosing to go to private schools because they're hoping they'll stay open for in-person instruction, even as public schools are largely going virtual. And as Blythe explained, there is a big problem with this in that these private schools may choose to go virtual at any point. The parents are then paying tuition for a service that they had no intention of paying for. But the second, probably the much bigger issue here, is the one that's in the lead of Blythe's wonderful story that was in the Post-Dispatch last week. And that is, quote, a scenario where in-person learning is mostly available to those who pay for it. Is this a concern amongst those you talk to, that this is something where wealthy parents can get their hands on in-person education and lower-income parents cannot? Well, absolutely. Um, Public
1: schools are vital to our democracy, and as we've seen during this pandemic, public schools are vital to our economy. Uh, if we have a mass exodus from public schools, that's, that's a major problem. Um, at the same time, I think there's a perception that the people who most want and need to return to school are lower income families, parents in hourly wage jobs who can't afford childcare, and really rely on schools for um, to meet a lot of their needs. Um, but it's not playing out that way, at least in St.
0: Louis. And um, why do you think that is? I mean, we have seen that in cities elsewhere in the country where parents are saying, hey, you need to reopen these schools. That's not happening in, say, St. Louis City.
1: Right. Well, I mean, poor people are resourceful. I mean, they've always had to be. They've... Um, been in situations that don't work out for them, and they've always had to figure out childcare. They're more likely to rely on family members and neighbors to help out. So I think they'd rather figure out a way to make it work. Um, that's what they've always done. And it's important to note that our Black community has been harder hit by the coronavirus. They are much more likely to know someone who has died in their family or in their friend circles. So. We see that in the surveys of families again and again that, you know, black parents are least likely to want to send their kids back to school. They don't feel safe doing so, and they're going to they're going to make it work.
0: Hmm. So yeah, they've lived with this. They're certainly more frightened about what could happen if something goes wrong than, say, a parent in a suburban school district that maybe hasn't seen death directly related to them. You mentioned the hit that public schools could take. Do you get the sense from public school administrators that they're worried that they could lose these kids for good? Well, absolutely. And I
1: mean, even in the spring, the some public school districts lost track of of a certain percentage of students in Normandy we know that a majority of of kids were not engaging with the virtual learning so where where are those kids we don't know
0: and so i think that's that's a very very real fear Hmm. It's interesting. On one hand, you have St. Louis County Executive Sam Page who wants schools to go, quote, in as virtual an environment as possible. And pediatricians have urged in-person learning, although I know they ended up modifying that statement a bit. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about how in-person is better for education and yet in-person is a way that we can really be afraid of of the coronavirus spreading. Is there any solution for these schools where they're going to be able to satisfy both of these different camps at this point?
1: I don't know. It's just it's it's impossible. I mean the I mean pediatricians they're they're right. You know, in person school is is best. We know that. We know that online learning is not as effective for most kids, and we worry about them um, being exposed to unsafe environments at home. Um, at the same time. Pediatricians are more likely to be in those suburban districts or private schools where they have more resources to, to be able to reopen their schools. So it is, you know, creating this divide. That I don't, I don't know how how it's going to resolve, but we'll be we'll be watching for sure.
0: So I know you're going to stay on top of this, but I have to ask. Um, your story about this got a lot of attention last week. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's fair to say it went viral, but it felt like if it if mm-hmm. it wasn't actually viral, it was very close to it. What was your takeaway from the feedback you got? I'm sure you heard from a lot of people with a lot of opinions.
1: Yeah, I think parents are frustrated, um, like I said, without um, strong guidance on what to do. Um, and I think teachers are scared and everyone's just nervous. And I think a lot of people are trying to keep their decisions quiet because there's some shame involved. And and I think that's unfortunate because we need to support each other in whatever decisions we're making. It's 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 a time when we have to do, everyone's doing what's best for themselves and hopefully also thinking about what's best for our community at the same time, but it's it's a very difficult
0: it does feel scenario. so difficult. And I, I think you're right. I hear so many parents almost being afraid to tell their friends mm-hmm. what they've chosen. There's such a fear of a backlash no matter what your choice is. And so I, I feel like you're feeling and, and I'm kind of feeling we need to be gentle with everybody here. There's just not a great choice for anyone right now. Right. Well, Blythe Bernhard, you've really depressed me. But this is an important <laughs> topic. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today to share the insight that you've gained in all your reporting on it. Thanks, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more.